0: This show contains strong language and sexual content. If you're a minor looking for information or help without all the grown up stuff, visit mygayagendapodcast.com for resources. This episode contains discussion of domestic abuse, drugs, homophobia in school, and mention of weight loss. It also contains discussion about the LGBTQIA community, but you probably figured that out already. It's right in the title. Let- We're super gay, Tuesday is also gay, Wednesday is still pretty gay, and Thursday I have a night class, Friday we continue to be gay, Saturday is the gayest day, Sunday, yeah, it's still gay, but we also record a podcast.
1: Hello and welcome to My Gay Agenda, an investigative podcast where we interview the queer community and plan our world domination. My name is Jay. My name is CJ, and we are
0: your co-conspirators in trying to figure out whatever it is that cishet people think it is we're doing. Uh, but CJ, what's on the buy schedule for today? I'm gonna switch up the buy schedule. Before we do a game, we're going to talk with (laughs) Dominique!
2: Oh my goodness, I can't believe I'm here. (laughs) You made it. <laughs> I did. And this, is the, this is the pinnacle of my drag career right here. I'm so excited to be here.
1: Oh, we're so excited a, to have you. What a high
0: honor to be the pinnacle of someone's drag career when we are in audio exclusive format. Well,
2: it's, it's not a very great career, just so you know. Like, it's not a very big career. I'm not one of the biggest names in Philadelphia. But I do want your listeners to know, though you can't see me, my makeup has never looked better. I have big hair on. I'm in a huge gown and huge jewels. I'm definitely not sitting on my couch in two day old pajamas with five o'clock shadow at noon. Just so <laughs> just putting that out there. I look <laughs> gorgeous right now.
0: Just picture this recording as a semi formal event.
2: Oh my mm. hello. I'm I'm basically in a tux for a drag queen. So like I I feel that. It's formal, formal for me.
0: Mm. Perfect. Mm-hmm. I was trying to think of, like, a historical, like, fancy event to compare it to. My first poll was the Titanic, (laughs) y'all. What am I doing?
2: (laughs) I mean, that would be my luck. I finally nail a good gig and it sinks. So, you know, like, I mean, it's just par for the course for old Dominique Lee. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, I (laughs) feel bad for those violinists on there because that was probably, like, a $50 stipend gig. $50.
2: $50. It was like the 40s or something. It was like $20 they were, and they were happy to have it. <laughs> I, just I was up. there. No, I'm just kidding. I wasn't there. I'm not that old. Close, but not that old. <laughs>
1: On a scale from one to Titanic, how formal is this event?
2: <laughs> oh my goodness. I mean, you know, I'm ready for it. I'm ready. I got, Like I said, I'm ready. I'm willing. I'm jeweled up and I'm excited. So hit me with whatever you got. And I love the fact that I'm part of an investigative report that is, yes. it's been a, it's been a little while for me since the last one and it had nothing to do with drag. I assure you that.
0: Yeah. I mean, we, we've got a lot to solve here. <laughs> like it, it, there. Apparently there's a gay agenda that I didn't get anything in the mail about. So, really? you know.
2: Well, nothing. how about that? Yeah. Well, we yeah. do have a lot to solve and that's a quote from my therapist. So if you just, <laughs> so whatever you want to talk about, and I, I'm happy to talk. My gay agenda is now 43 years old. I am the oldest living drag queen in captivity. They call me the geriatric gem of Philadelphia. So I have many pages of my gay agenda. So I'm excited to share that with you. So I'm excited.
0: Well, let's get started then. Tell us a little about you.
2: Oh, what is there to say? Honestly, I uh, no, I'm just kidding. I was born a poor gay white child, and no, I'm just kidding. Um, I have, I am uh, a Philadelphia drag queen. I'm a comedy queen. Uh, I absolutely love performing. I've been performing since I was a very little kid, and in plays and things like that. I remember the first time I got yelled at for performing was on a Sunday morning at my grandparents' busy restaurant. They had a jukebox and I would play Madonna's material girl and I would reenact that video move for move to the embarrassment of my entire family. Like I, I'm talking like we are in the middle of a restaurant, uh, church just let out, there's all these people and there's little Topher dancing to Madonna's material girl in the middle of the restaurant. My poor father, <laughs> let me tell you. <laughs>
0: God bless. <laughs> I feel like that's so par for the course for us <laughs> performer types. I uh, watched Grease all the time as a small child yes. and apparently uh, had to stop watching Grease all the time as a small child because in the middle of the grocery store, I belted out, look at me, I'm Sandra D.
2: Good for you. I mean, who doesn't, oh. to be honest, in your defense, <laughs> who doesn't do that? Just burst it out every once in a while. You know, Who's I know it? I do.
0: Whose four-year-old child who basically just learned how to talk doesn't belt the lyrics lousy with virginity?
2: In the cereal aisle? That's child prodigy stuff to me. I don't know what your parents were complaining about. I would have been like, I have a brilliant child. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Look at how they sing. (laughs) That's amazing. So it sounds like you had some pretty strong queer beginnings. Want to lead us on your queer journey from there?
2: Sure. Uh, You know, my strongest queer role model has honestly been myself. You know, I was born in 1977. I grew up in the 80s. I went to high school in the 90s, and I was the only gay kid in my high school that was out. Uh, I came out when I was a junior in high school. Um, It was around 1995. Um, And it's funny because, uh, you know, before I came out, I was, I just wanted to blend in. I didn't dress right. I was, I was very in baggy clothes all the time. Like I was just not myself. And then I got a job at, true story. I got a job at Great Adventure in Jackson, New Jersey, and I got uh, hired as a character. And um, I just started dating somebody who got a job there, but he was really talented, unlike myself. And he was actually hired to be like one of the singers in Bugs Bunny Land or something like that. So they put me in a character suit completely covered from head to toe. Um, Long story short, I did get fired from that job. It was the first job I ever got fired from for hitting a kid um, (laughs) while dressed as Bugs Bunny. Um, so they called me Buster Bunny, like all my friends made fun of me and stuff. Here's the details of that story. I was. Yeah, I would love to know the details yeah. of that story. I, w- I was 16. The kid was 14.
0: Okay. Like, cool. so it's not
2: like I was like, you know, some gross person beating up children.
0: Right, more like a peer.
2: Yeah. Well, yeah. The, the, my boss has called it a kid. So I was like, all right, whatever. <laughs> right. Um, but, uh, I, we used to get beat up so bad at great adventure mm. when we were dressed up like characters. And one mm. time I just snapped and this kid hit me and I chased him around the fountain at the, like the entrance way to the park. I sweeped his leg cause Bugs Bunny had huge feet. And uh, then I just started pounding on him. Like it was, oh my God. <laughs> and all of a sudden you hear, Bugs Bunny main stage, please come backstage. Bugs Bunny main stage, please come backstage immediately. So I gave him one more kick to the gut and I walked backstage. I was very mad. Um, And they were like, you're so fired. I'm like, I don't care. I'm only 16 years old. (laughs) You know, so, but I point of order, like, you know, the silver lining of that story. I lost 40 pounds in one summer because the average costume was 30 degrees hotter inside the costume than it was outside. So while you're like, Oh, it's kind of chilly. Let me grab my sweater. It's 70. It was literally 100 degrees in my costume. And it was like being in a sauna and I lost 40 pounds in one summer. It was a better diet than mono. I'm telling you, it was amazing. I absolutely loved it. So then when I went back to high school, um, uh, you know, me and my, the the boy I was dating uh, just hit a year after that summer. And, you know, I was proud and I was wearing his little, you know, varsity qu- chorus jacket. Don't get excited. Um, <laughs> but I, I was wearing his, like, varsity chorus jacket, to, like, at my school. And I was the first boy in East Brunswick High School's history to bring a same-sex partner to the prom. And hold your applause. Um, they had to have a PTA meeting about it because they weren't sure how it would have affected, you know, other students in 1996. And, uh, so eventually, long story short, we had to have our, my lawyer, my family's lawyer, uh, Mm -hmm. drop off the, our prom bid and ask if there was any problem. And the school said no. So I brought, uh, my boyfriend, my first boyfriend to, uh, my prom in 1996. So I'm a pioneer. So show me some, some respect. Good Lord. no. Yeah, I'm right. Right. <laughs> it, it was no big deal. I had a great time. He had a great time. Uh, we ended up dancing with most of my girlfriends the entire night because it was weird. It was like, you know, it's, it's, it's tough being like a gay youth. Like I, I couldn't imagine what gay youth go through now. I hope it's a little bit easier than when I went to high school and I'm sure it is, but um, I'm sure like you know everyone's everyone's problems are huge because they're their own, so mm-hmm. I, I can I don't want to take away any feelings of, oh you know life is very hard for especially gay youth um, but I did my best to make it better, and I hope it helped and you know in some small way you know mm. so and it yeah. did actually because I went back to high school in 1998 to uh raise money for my drama club and um i was in and and this uh the story gets better because it doesn't sound like it's gonna get good yet but i went to the bathroom and this kid came in after me and you know like i'm doing my business and he's doing his business at the other end uh Mm -hmm. and uh i go to wash my hands and he turns and he faces me he goes are you christopher molinari and i was just like yeah and he goes he goes uh, you're the one that brought the boy to your prom, uh, two years ago. And I was like, yeah. And he was like, I'm bringing my boyfriend to the prom this year. And I just wanted, I just wanted to meet you and say hi. And I was like, oh, well, good for you. That was a, that was a real, like, that was a real good moment for me. Cause like I said, high school was very, very difficult. Um, if I can go into another story real fast, we actually no had an assembly come to our school and it was teaching us like the different. This was in 1996. Uh, it was teaching us differences, like how people are different, and like they discussed other races. Um, they did do a a brief skit about a gay student that was being picked on, and they actually dropped the f bomb in the uh-huh. in the skit, which. Um, was a very difficult word for me back then. As I'm sure you can imagine, it's still difficult for people now. So um, when they dropped the F-bomb, the audience behind me cheered, like we're all sitting in the auditorium and a lot of the students clapped and I just sank so low into my seat because I was a drama kid. So we were in my theater. So of course I was in the front row. Um, And then after the play, as most plays in high school do, they did a question and answer type thing And uh, one of the actors was like, I have a question. (laughs) Uh, And he was so gay. It was so funny. Um, He was like, I have a question. And he was like, why did you guys clap when, you know, during this skit or whatever at this particular point? And I'll never forget this as long as I live. But from the back of the theater, you hear this one voice say, I'll tell you why. And he gets up and people start hooting and hollering. And he's walking down the aisle. And uh, he goes, I'll tell you why. He goes, because in my religion and in my life uh, and and in my family, we were taught that um, uh, homosexuality is a disgrace and people like him, and he pointed right at me, um, are going to hell and are absolutely disgusting and blah, 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 blah. Well, you know, I mean, how strong can a 17-year-old gay kid be? I got up and I ran out of the auditorium. Luckily, some of the actors were still backstage, they went out the side door, saw me run out and grabbed me and pulled me aside. So while all the, everybody left, they all just surrounded me and they all hugged me and they all told me that how brave and how important I am. And so honestly, to go back and answer your question, one of my first gay role models is a complete stranger. Uh, that came to my school and did a play with a theater group back in 1996. And no matter how hard times got, somewhere in my heart always went back to that moment of support and of love and of hope. So to answer your very first question that happened over 14 minutes ago, (laughs) (laughs) my gay role model is someone that I do not know, but... I will always love and respect in my heart. So,
0: It's one of those things where like when you let your own light shine, you give permission for others to do the same. Like it sounds like that person helped you and then you in turn helped that kid in the bathroom. Yeah, And then maybe that kid in the bathroom someday helped another gay kid and so on Mm -hmm. and so forth.
2: (gasps) Well, get this. Hello. There's more to this story (gasps) about 15 years later. I get a message on Facebook from none other than the guy that stood up during that assembly. No way. Oh, wait, you're going to die. Wait till you hear this. oh my God. He messaged me and was like, hi, I don't know if you remember me, blah, 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 blah. Long story short, he goes, my son is um, going into high school. He just started high school this year and he's getting really picked on. And um, I think it's, I, I see a lot of, You know your mannerisms, the way you talk, the way you move. I think he he goes. I think he's gay, and I want him to know that um, I'm here for him, and I love him, and he's my son. Uh, Can you? Is there any advice that you would give me? Isn't that a kick in the pants? My bully is calling me to ask for advice on how he. Should handle his gay son, karma. Oh my no, I'm just kidding. So, <laughs> my so it was like the, the
1: advice you gave him was like, first of all, don't go to the front of an auditorium <laughs> and talk about how he's going to hell. Or, <laughs> yeah, no, I,
2: I, you know, I, I am very lucky. I, I come from a very enormous family, and my father is one of the straightest men that you'll ever meet. Uh, he's a mechanic. He was drafted for the Yankees. He's, you know, he's just a very hardworking blue collar man. He obviously didn't go to the Yankees. Um, so, uh, uh, I just gave him the, I just told him to be like my dad. Like, you know, I gave him like examples of how my dad does not understand my lifestyle and it's completely okay because he's not going to let not understanding get in the way of the fact that I am his son and he Mm. loves me. Mm. Um, and he always made that known. Like, he might not have wanted to hear every detail of every story, but he asked me about my life. He knows, you know, what I've been through. He's met some of the, of the many men that I've dated. Uh, he, <laughs> thank you. Uh, I told you I'm gorgeous. Um, <laughs> but you know, like, but he did it his own way, and that's fine too. There's no right or wrong way, as long as you show your child or your fellow human being respect. You know, I'm not like one of those people don't come up and ask me questions about my lifestyle. Please, are you kidding? I'd rather you come up and ask me about my lifestyle than me read in the paper that you beat up like three gay kids because you're just so confused and frustrated about the situation. Talk mm. to me. Like I I love talking to people. I now I work with colleges and I make sure that they have, you know, that one during the event that they can ask me any question that they want to ask me as a drag queen, as an older gay person please ask me a question. Not only that, but I make sure that they have all my social media. So in case they didn't want to ask me in front of their friends, they could reach out. I am a firm believer in giving back to gay youth. And I think that's the only way that things are going to get any better. You know, like it's it's insane, the struggles. I used to say gay people age 10 years faster than our straight counterparts mm. because we have to worry about so many other things that they don't even have to think about like they don't have to worry they don't have to worry about if their friends gonna if their families are gonna accept me because i bring a certain person home they don't have to worry about i know i feel this way i've been taught all my life that it is wrong and i was i grew up sicilian very religious um that i'm going to hell you know so we have to take that upon ourselves and we have to process that ourselves and it ages you it really does so while most people are out playing ball, you're like, "Oh, I just wish I was normal." What is normal anymore? You know what I mean? Like and still not knowing what normal is at 43 years old. I would like to be normal, but I am normal. I am my I am myself. This I am a product of my environment. I am I am the world, honey, and I love it. And anything that you go through, what does not kill you makes you stronger has been a motto of mine and You are the person you are because of the things you go through is definitely something that I can relate to because I love myself today, but I don't know if I would be the same person if I didn't go through all the things that I went through when I was younger. You know, you grow, you adapt. Every day is a new day to learn something and better yourself. And that's what I try to do, honestly, whether it just be making people laugh at my drag or my face. Um, you know what I mean but you have to you have to do something to make the world a better a better place and being yourself is one of those things so never never doubt yourself never question yourself but always grow
1: Mm. yeah
0: there's like a a, like an odd temporal thing with being queer where like on the one hand and I see this especially with trans people myself included where it's like you work so hard to like experience the stuff that you missed out on in childhood, just from like your childhood being a mess. Yeah. Or it's like, all right, well now I'm going to dress in this way that I would have done if I knew my gender identity or if I knew my queer identity at the time, like what, mm-hmm. like back for me in 2009. Um. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But like, then on the other hand, it's like all of the stories that you hear about queer people, like, the popular stories are are tragedies. Yeah. So it's like, okay, cool. Well, like if if we don't work to like try to make things better for ourselves, we didn't really have a childhood and we won't have a very great or plentiful rest of our lives either.
2: Right. Absolutely. And that it,
0: it just doesn't have to be true across the board. Yeah. Like there's a lot of queer people who leave live like long fulfilling lives. And Hi. nowadays I've talked I've talked to queer youths pretty recently, like teenagers, and things are better for them. There's still good. challenges, but like it is really better for them than when I was in high school and when you were in high school.
2: Yeah. Good, so that's like good.
0: Yeah. We're we're moving toward a good direction for queer lives. We just gotta yeah. keep this going. Mm. Well,
2: I do wanna state that I had a I had a great childhood. Yeah, I I didn't feel understood, but I have four parents that really, really like loved me. And I you know, my parents got divorced. My biological parents got divorced when I was very young. My mother got remarried when I was nine. My father got remarried when I was five. So I've had four parents all my life. Um, it wasn't up until recently that there's been some sort of issue, but I think that's a point for later on in the podcast, you know, politics, I never thought politics would interfere in a family that was so full of love. But it really did, especially this last presidential election. It has been a nightmare for me. Twenty twenty was one of the worst family years that I've ever experienced in my entire life, um, and it's difficult. But uh, to, to get back to your point about what you were saying, now I had a great childhood. I was I was surrounded by love. Um, I was surrounded by questioning acceptance. I was surrounded by people that just wanted to help. And even even though I didn't realize it then, I realize it now. Um, you know, I was put in therapy. I was, uh, this is a little personal, but I was uh, almost put in conversion therapy. And I was almost in a Pray Away the Gay program. But because my parents did listen to me, um, and I told them that, no, no, that is going like therapy is one thing conversion therapy pray away the gay stuff is a completely different animal um so luckily it was my mom that was like okay that she put an end to it but honestly it was just done it wasn't done in a anger way it was done in a how can we help way and I heard this helps and you know but I was very lucky. I was very, very lucky. Up until I, I used to tell people I had the poster family for gay people. Mm. They were just wonderful, wonderful, supportive people. I had my and I made my own problems. Don't get me wrong. I didn't have the easiest of life, but when it comes to family, back then I knew that family was there for me. So in that way, I'm very unique because that is not the case when it comes to gay youth. I've heard. And I know many of my friends have horrible stories and about how they were kicked out, how they were disowned, how they had, don't speak to their families. That breaks my heart. To this day, I talk to most of my family at least once a week because there's so much love there. And I feel that they did the best that they could. And they listened to me, which is the most important thing. Listen yeah. to your kids. Listen to gay people. Listen to their stories. Mm. Don't think you're some, like, if you're not gay, how do you know? How do you know what we go through? You know, just like in every other aspect of life, how will you cannot really know till you hear it from the people that lived it. And yeah. I'm, like I said, I'm very, very lucky. And I just wanted to make sure, uh, just in case my family does listen, because they are supportive and have been to drag shows. Um, I, I love my family. I'm very, very blessed. Uh, so that's it. Period. <laughs> uh,
0: so let's let's uh fast forward in your story what ha- what was up after school
2: after school uh well I was completely out and of course as I said I had the love and support of my wonderful family um so I went absolutely bananas and when I say bananas I mean b-a-n-a-n-a-s I went <laughs> as every...
0: foretold.
2: hello uh I went crazy I had Three Friday nights on a Tuesday afternoon, if you know what I'm saying, honey. I was very popular. I am not this middle-aged potato that you do not see before you today. I was high. I was tight. I was where I was supposed to be. I was good-looking. I'm still good-looking. But um, so I got involved. Oh, my God. Okay. uh, Family, if you are listening, this is where you can shut it off. Um, I, I met a great circle. I got really into the club scene. Um, I would go to New York a lot. I would go to New Jersey a lot. There was this great club called the Coliseum in Sayreville, New Jersey. And I met my newest circle of friends, my first um, community, you know, my first selected family, if you will. And it just so happened that there were three of like the nicest guys. They were very popular. Everybody knew them. But they lived in a web house, which is basically like if you're a fan of the show Big Brother – where they have cameras in every room, but we were expected to be intimate and do sexual things with like, not just with each other, but like with other people and ourselves, I guess. Um, So I, (laughs) so I moved into this web house with my friends and it was this gorgeous con like two floor condo. Everything was paid for. Uh, Everything was paid for food, bills, rent, everything was paid for. They actually also gave us, we called it an allowance. They would call it pay. Uh, I mean, we were like, (laughs) (laughs) we were like three, like 20 ish year old boys, like living in this beautiful house that we could never afford. But, uh, so I did a lot of, I lived there for two years and, you know, like there were certain criteria we had to fill and, um, we were allowed to bring people over, but anybody that walked in our house had to sign a waiver because as <laughs> soon as you walked in the house, you were being broadcasted on the internet. And I'm not talking how, about like the internet today. I'm talking about like yeah. dial up internet. Like it was, you know, <laughs> people like really wanted to see you and would like spend days on end just watching you. But we had cameras in every bedroom. We had cameras in the kitchen in the living room, in the bathroom. It was so gross. It was like, Oh, but, um, but honestly, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. But I did get very involved in drugs, which um, was a very scary time towards the end. Uh, you know, we lived in this web house for two years. I started doing drugs a lot, like a lot. Uh, mostly uh, cocaine. E was a big, big with us. We would do trail mix with K and we did every alphabet, uh, we did everything but shoot, uh, drugs into us because I am petrified of needles. Mm. I don't have any tattoos. Mm. I don't have any tattoos or anything. Um, I did get pierced a couple of times, but that's, you know, whatever. Uh,
0: I feel like that's different. I feel
2: that's different. I, I <laughs> yeah. did that for, the, I did that for the boys. So, you know, there was a reason. <laughs> There's no good reason to do the amount and the kinds of drugs that we did. <laughs> um, but we'd go to New York city and we would, uh, I mean, I, don't, I wouldn't say we would sell, but we would sell drugs at like clubs in New York City. Uh, we were very we'd go to the limelight every Sunday. We'd go to the Roxy every Saturday. We'd go to curfew and Tunnel every Friday. Um, and you know we would have like you know whatever we would have on us, and people would ask if we you know had anything and we'd say yes. and we would make them expose themselves in, like in the club to prove that they weren't cops. Um, just so everybody oh, knows. that
0: kind of exposed themselves. Yes, yes. Uh, okay, well, I was like, what direction? <laughs> well,
2: we, well, we were in the middle of the limelight in New York City, which I don't know if any of you folks know the limelight, but the limelight was one of the most amazing clubs in New York City. It's liter- It was literally a hollowed out old church, and like it still had the stained glass, it still had like the, the risers and stuff like that, and people would just party their faces off it was absolutely insane the things you saw the things you did hopefully you don't remember most of them (laughs) which i don't but um it was just an amazing time it was just an amazing time in my life Uh, but then you know as it often does uh drugs got in the way we all ended up leaving the web house together and we ended up moving in with one of our fans who happened to be a former nfl pro football player um and he uh this person was in love with i we used to call him our leader there was three of us there Mm. was the smart one anthony who was our leader there was the nice one ray and then there was the funny one me i'm always the funny one i'm never the hot one it sucks but uh <laughs> but so we all moved in with this guy and but he really only wanted Anthony so Ray and I ended up getting kicked out and I um met this boy uh over the course of that time and he convinced me to move to Paris Illinois and ah. um <laughs> um <laughs> And we were dating like on and off, and all my friends hated him. He was this really like pale-looking goth boy that was like covered in tattoos, and he barely spoke. But I just loved him. I thought he was one of the dreamiest boys I've ever seen, and uh, he was so super nice to me. And he like literally, he he literally like loved me from the day he saw me, like, and and it showed. Um, so when he convinced me to move to Paris, Illinois, um, I said, well, I have nowhere else to go. So we ended up moving there and that's when things just went, it was like the darkest time in my life. Um, he started getting very physically abusive. Um, there was a lot of drugs still. Uh, It was just a really, really, really bad time, and it's, like, one of the times that I won't hold in my heart, but I'll definitely keep in my memory because I know, like, that is the worst thing that could ever happen, uh, that has ever happened to me. Uh, Luckily, I met this girl there who had a daughter, and she was just so sweet, and I got a job at a video store, and one day I went into work, and I was beaten up but i had to work and plus going to work meant i wasn't trapped at home right. with with mm-hmm. this guy and she came in and she took one look at my face and she was like are you all right and i was like and i just started crying um i ended up locking the vid- uh the video store door and she just like held me and let me cry and vent for a good hour she waited around and uh she went back to my house grabbed some stuff and i ended up staying with her i called my friends and family for help and they all sent me money for a bus ticket to come home and mm-hmm. uh i've been you know i've been in the tri-state area ish ever since so again like you know selected family and actual family really saved my life because it 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 was a very very physically abusive time and i don't know if i would have made it through i would even say two or three more interactions of that kind because mm-hmm. that's how bad they were uh he had to get pulled off me a couple times after i passed out or blacked out so um but i tell this story uh to give hope you know uh You have to know it's never going to get better. It's only going to get worse. Um, No one is ever going to understand fully what you're going through. Uh, So you're going to have to fix it yourself. You're going to have to take that first step. You're going to have to be the one to say no and mean it. And uh, I'm in a 17-year relationship right now with a wonderful man. Uh, We've been married for four years um, and I couldn't be happier. So there is, there's always hope. There's, there's always hope and you can always fix it. It's never too late until it's too late. So if anybody within the sound of my voice is in a situation like that, do the right thing for yourself and get out. Wow, that got really serious. <laughs> I'm so this, sorry. This
0: podcast is everywhere. I we apologize. We have every mood.
2: I apologize for that. I hope I didn't get too dark. But uh, you don't do to apologize. I really wanted. I really wanted to share that part of my. You know, on on stage, I am nonstop laughing. I am nonstop smiling. I am nonstop. You know, just a positive person. I try my absolute best to be as positive as I can there there's there's pain there and like I said life is a journey and Um, you know every day is a new opportunity and that's how you should look at it um and that's what I try to do so if there's something wrong in your life fix it you have that power
1: yeah absolutely really appreciate you sharing that
2: happy to happy to happy to share that um but then after that um what did I do Uh, Well, I went to I went to school for voice and acting when I was younger. So I started like doing theater once I got back to New Jersey, uh, and I started doing community theater. And like you know, I really loved doing that. I there was a playhouse in East Brunswick called Playhouse Twenty Two. There's the George Street Playhouse in New Brunswick, New Jersey. New uh, New Brunswick, New Jersey. Um, I did a lot of work there, Um, but. I also was very aware of the power that a younger gay person has over older gay people. I was always surrounded by women my entire life, and I beautiful women, beautiful Sicilian women with curves and not a stick among them but um <laughs> not a skinny girl in my family they're, they're all very hourglassish and it's beautiful. I love it um so but i have I was always amazed by the power that my aunts and, you know, these wonderful women had over men, like, you know, like they would say, you know, you would think like, especially back then, the man is in charge. That's not the case. That is not the case. Uh, they might be the head of the household, but my mother always said, I'm the neck. I'm the one that turns his head and tells him which way to go. And <laughs> I found that I had that same power being a, a good looking, you know, young gay man, gay man, um, older not like weirdly older but like older men really responded to that and i and i played that card honey i i played that card very much not to a dis, not to a not to a crazy point but like i've relied on the kindness of strangers a few times and um you know you have to be smart about it and you have to if you're going to play the power role you have to play the power role you know and you and that includes making boundaries and stuff like that but i uh, i'm a firm believer in believing in yourself and steering your own path and you know and having fun like life is so short you know it was only yesterday when i was 27 and now poof i woke up and i'm 43 but i can honestly say i don't have that many regrets not that i'm about to keel over and die but like <laughs> 43 <laughs> is not that old people <laughs> um but it's it's been a journey and i'm i'm excited to see what What's next, you know? Hell yeah. Yeah,
0: I, I was more giggling at the possibility of like this podcast serving as like your deathbed wish. I, right. Like this is just so middle many- of the episode,
2: you're like, oh, by the way, I am dying. Yeah, by the way, <laughs> so many <laughs> last will and testament in podcast form. There you go. I love it. That would
1: be a move.
2: Well, yeah, absolutely. Call me in about twenty or thirty years. We'll see if we can get that going.
1: <laughs> <laughs> a very special episode. Oh, oh God.
2: very <laughs> special and somber episode because He's I have amazing. I have nothing. I have absolutely nothing. I have absolutely nothing to bequeath anybody. So be a very short episode. You
0: get nothing. Good day, sir.
2: Absolutely. Um, (laughs) But to get back to my story around like the early 20s, that's when I I did drag for the first time. Um, And I was I was very fun and energetic and I did a lot of dance stuff. And I really wasn't too into comedy back then because, you know, I had this little body that I can all over the place and people (laughs) would just throw their money at me. Um, But drag wasn't appreciated as it was, as it is now. And uh, I only did drag for about a year before I said to myself, you know what? I like boys more than dresses. So I'm going to quit doing drag. And I quit doing drag for 17 years, 18 years. Um, But in that time, I met my husband, Uh, I was working at a small bar in Asbury Park uh, called Georgie's, which is still standing, it's a fabulous little bar in Asbury Park, I absolutely love it, Um, and for whatever reason I was working security, like I'm going to do anything. But they had okay. me work out. <laughs> they ha- I weighed like a, a buck twenty-five with a brick in my pocket. You know what I mean?
0: Because sometimes <laughs> you just gotta hire somebody. I, well, like you I, yeah. gotta have someone on the books. I
2: think somebody called out. So they're like, uh, Topher, why don't you go check IDs and work the door? And I'm like, <laughs> Okay. So um so this is the story of how I met my husband. Um, grab your popcorn. Um, I'm ready. Okay, so I was working the door, not paying any attention. I was literally on my flip, flip phone playing Tetris or something like that, <laughs> or Snake or something like that. Um, and like I was, well, I never did my job good anyway. Even when I was behind the bar, like I was very talkative and stuff like that. So this guy walks up to me. I'm on my phone. He like hands me his ID. I look at his ID, and again, I'm not good at math. So. Uh, It didn't really matter. Like, I was like, okay, I looked at it here. Um, And I looked up and there was the cutest guy there. He was so freaking cute. Oh, my God. He was a little short, but he was so cute. Um, So I was just like, hi. And he was like, hi. I go, I'm Topher. He goes, I'm Todd. And I'm like, aw. And he was like, okay. (laughs) 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 I was like, well, have fun. And he was like, thanks. And, you know, and I went to the bath, like I, I made it a point to like go to the bathroom a lot or see if they needed anything by the bar because I just mm. wanted to check this guy out. He was so cute.
1: <laughs>
2: so the ne- so the next day I was working behind the bar and who shows up, but this adorable Todd. And I was like, oh my gosh, he's so freaking cute. So I go to my boss at the time. I go, how cute is that guy? He goes, really? He's a little short. I go, I know, right? <laughs> I, go, I love it. I, I chose men that if we fought because of my past, if we fought, I felt I had a chance. Like, I didn't date like muscle guys after mm. my ex because I was scared, you know? Mm. So I dated a lot of like, you know, uh, thin, a- anemic looking, you know, <laughs> you, you know just people <laughs> I thought I could take in a fight. Um, mm. So I was like, all right, I'll give them a chance. Uh, he did have biceps and I was like, all right, he has little arms. So I was like, all right. So, so I, I gave him a chance. Um, so my boss was just like, Topher, come here. And I walked over, he goes, I want you to meet my friend Todd. I was like, oh, we met last night. And he was like, yeah. He goes, hi, how are you? And he just struck up a conversation and he put himself like right in front of like where I do the most work. And every once in a while he'd like write a note on a post-it. And, like, just, like, little silly. I mean, I, ha- I actually, believe it or not, I actually have two of them still in my wallet. Aww. And I, ca- I know it's so gay. I know. <laughs> but I know. It's, so, it's such a gay thing to do. Um, but I actually still have them in my wallet. They're, o- they're over 17 years old. And, like, they're, like, all faded and creased. But I still carry them around. And, um, you know, that night, as a good bartender does, I took Todd home. <laughs> um, <laughs> what
1: <laughs>
0: it's just good service i mean that's
2: how i thought you know and plus like i saw him twice now so what am i supposed to do um <laughs> it's not like i just met him that night i met him the night before um so <laughs> big difference um so i took him home and uh he left obviously um because that's how hookups work and uh, the next day, I went back to work. Right? Who shows up? Adorable little Todd. And I'm like, <gasps> and I go, oh, like what? Did you forget your keys or something? And he was just like, no. He goes, I, I really liked you, and I was hoping that we could spend some more time together, and I was really wanting to get to know you better. Um, and I was like, that's different. <laughs> I go, I go, sure. Why not? We'll try that. <laughs> you know, why not? I'm game. Um, So that night, oh, and that's the thing. I would go to work at 7 o'clock and leave at 2 o'clock in the morning. Todd would stay there from 7 o'clock to 2 in the morning. Uh, He was so cute. And he would still let me, oh, I'm jumping ahead. So he brought me home, but funny thing happened. I was sleeping with my landlord at the time, and his wife found out, and she got all bent out of shape for some reason, like, Get over it. Um, God. <laughs> if anything, I'm helping you out. He's not dry humping you for 20 minutes before something happens. So, but she didn't look oh at it God. that way. Um, so <laughs> I wonder why she made him kick me out of my apartment. Like, of my apartment. Mm. So I come mm. home and all my stuff is on the front porch of my apartment. Um, it was a good area of town, so I wasn't that worried about it. But I was right. so mad, and there was a note saying my wife found out. You have to leave here's your security deposit back. And I'm like, ugh.
0: You got your security deposit? Good for you. Uh, also, hello? That's the thing you have to do to get it back. Yeah, have, hello. I've been refused my security deposit for less, honestly. Uh, no, so mate, congrats.
2: Try putting out. I don't know. No, I'm just kidding. Don't, don't, <laughs> that was what? a joke. <laughs> <laughs> that was a joke. Please don't, I'm not suggesting that.
0: <laughs> yeah. You know what? I'll take your advice. There
2: you go. Um, <laughs> So Todd was like, "Well, you can stay with me." So three days after I met this guy, I ended up moving into this guy's apartment. We were very lesbian about it, to be honest. Yeah, I was very. Lesbian. I'm yeah, but we've been together ever since. We did break up like year eight, but it was only for, I say a month. he says two weeks. Um, but Todd paid like all the bills in advance, and he paid the rent in advance, and I would call him every day. Or I'd send him pictures of me like sitting there crying or something like that <laughs> because I'm gay and uh, and he ended up coming back so we did break up once but it was seven years later but um, in the beginning of our relationship Todd would drive me to my job and he would sit there from seven o'clock to two o'clock and I told him look I go I'm not used to having a boyfriend like I'm not used to it and, and I'm probably not going to be really good at it at first I go but. Especially when you're at my job, I have to flirt. I have to, you know, make money and stuff like that. Like I'm a bartender at a gay bar. Mm, So, and he understood that and he was very accepting. And, you know, Todd wasn't out yet. And um, the first Mother's Day we were together. Okay. So fun fact about me is if I'm in a car for more than 20 minutes, I'm falling asleep. I'm falling. I I don't know what it is. Uh, I also have not driven since 1997 because I got into a horrible accident because mm-hmm. I fell asleep <laughs> while driving <laughs> in a car. So, um, so I haven't had a license since 1997 um, by choice. I could have gotten my license a thousand times over, but I'm just a really bad driver. So right. I just mm-hmm. never got my license. So Todd and I were driving around and he waited till I fall- fell asleep. He then took me to his mother's house for Mother's Day. And I go, where are we? He goes, we're at my mom's house. And I was like, you're not out yet. And he goes, so what? I go, straight guys like you don't hang out with gay guys like me. I go, if you bring me into that house, they're going to know you're gay. And he was like, well, I guess it's time. So, yeah. So at 32 years old, Todd came out of the closet to his family um, because he, I mean, he did it for himself but he likes to say that it's because of the love and the bravery of how I live my life, uh, almost unapologetically. And I say almost because there's always an occasion where you should apologize. Um, (laughs) he, he found, he, he realized that's what he wanted for himself. So he came out and, uh, you know, and I'm very blessed. My mother-in-law is fabulous um uh she's just so sweet so supportive so wonderful uh she's such a caring woman um I'm just very blessed for the family that I have uh, and even my my in-law family they're great so they're really great that's
0: wonderful yeah
2: so we dated for 13 years the we were able to get married about 10 years in but I had to be sure. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm, I'm still not sure about you yet. He's like, we've been together for 10 years. I'm like, yeah, why rush it? You know? <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, well, both my parents have been married multiple times. His parents are married and divorced. So mm. it's just like, and I've always said, if I'm getting married, I'm doing it one time. Mm. One time, mm. that is it. We ain't breaking up. I don't care. Like, we don't have to like each other, but we're not breaking up. So, uh, that's not true. Um, so, <laughs> Finally, he asked me again about 13 years in, and I said yes. And he was so sweet about it. Um, but he's so weird, my husband. Like, he went to work, right? He went to work, and he comes back an hour later. I go, What are you doing home? And he was like, I got fired. And I was like, Oh my God. And he, I go, Are you all right? And he goes, Yeah. He then reaches down into his pocket and gets down on one knee grabs my hand and says will you marry me and i said you don't have a job <laughs> <laughs> i go what I i'm go, still
0: on the one news I, I go
2: i go wait a minute i go you got to have a job if you want to get with me it's a song i go you heard the song right and he goes shut up he goes will you marry me i go wow a marriage proposal with the word shut up in it i go yeah i go sure <laughs> i go i love it." <laughs> so then we got married um four years ago. Uh, So this happened, he asked me 12 years in, and then we got married on our 13th year. And uh, our whole family was there. We got married in a church um, in South River, New Jersey. The uh, Philadelphia Gay Men's Choir sang at my church because I was an active member of the Philadelphia Gay Men's Choir for five years. They only let me sing for one, but I was a dancer for four years after that but i
0: was still a
1: member (laughs) god damn it
2: hey i'm still in the chat just so you know i'm still in the pgmc members chat so i can call upon my philadelphia game men's choir people if i need to no i'm just kidding (laughs) that's a fabulous organization it does a lot of outreach work i'm very very proud of them they've come a long way i know that they've had a very windy road but um they're a fabulous organization And if I can tell you one quick story, um, we lived at, in Rittenhouse Square in, uh, in Philadelphia, which is a very, you know, very posh, very, you know, Brownstone-ish, you know, snooty almost. And, um, one day the fire alarm went off and we had a pug at the time, um, the pugs are, just so you know, everything's fine with the pug. Just, oh, I just want to put that out there. Because <laughs> okay. every time I tell that story and I say that, people go, oh, and I go, no, no, no. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> the pug is fine. Um, so uh, the fire alarm went off in the building, which wasn't anything new. They did drill, so we were used to it. But because we had a pug, Todd would always take her out, you know, while the alarm went off. So I went, okay. And I don't know if anybody remembers the show Cheers, but we lived in a basement apartment. So the the windows were street level. So all we saw were like people walking by on the sidewalk all day. Mm -hmm. But they also had bars on the windows. And the locks, for some reason, were on the outside. Um, We never had a key. So even if the locks were on the inside, it didn't really matter. But um, so the alarm goes off. I'm about to go to dance rehearsal. So I'm wearing, and this was like January 1st. It was freezing cold out. And um, so I'm wearing like a pair of sweatpants some oversized t-shirt. I think I was wearing ski pants also. Um, I just, no boy would talk to me in this outfit is my point. Um, So he busts back in a minute later and he goes, it's real. It's real. I go, what? He goes, there's a fire. And I was like, shut up. I'm so, I I don't know why I don't trust this man. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why I thought somebody would joke about that, but here we are. I was like, shut up. I go, that's not funny, Todd. And he was like, Christopher Lee. He goes, "I swear to God." He goes, "Get up, the building's on fire. We're gonna die." And I'm like, "Oh my god." And I let me tell you something about me. I am no good in a crisis. Like if 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 shit goes down, do not look to me for help because I probably am having a panic attack right then and there. I picked up the stupidest things. I picked up the TV remote. I picked up a glue gun. I picked up a coaster. And he goes, what are you doing? I go, I don't know what to do. We have so much stuff. What are we supposed to do? And he goes,
1: only the essentials.
2: <laughs> I know. Well, Yeah, but I didn't grab the TV. I just grabbed the remote. Like, what just am I do? yeah I Yeah. I, I, I think I grabbed a little pot, to be honest. And like, that was it. But <laughs> I mean, my priorities weren't completely askew. So yeah. I was just like, oh my God. So he wraps his hand around my waist and he's dragging me. I'm crying. I'm screaming. We open the door. Smoke is everywhere. Flames are shooting across because we were right next to the elevator. It was just a nightmare. We get in, we're outside. Everybody's safe. Everybody in the building made it out. The fire department pulls up. They t- get their big hoses. They break my living room and my bedroom window. They shove one hose in my living room, one hose in my bedroom, and turn on the hoses full oh blast. My- God. They were trying to protect the structural integrity of the building. So they had to make sure the basement or like the right. lower level was flooded. So it didn't collapse. Mm. And we literally just moved here from Maine. And like we oh bought a new bed, we bought a new clothes. I've been, I, I well, we bought new electronic equipment. Um, I've been the same size since 1996. So I had clothes from high school that still fit and I still look fantastic in because I didn't hit 40 yet. And um, so we lost everything. Here's my Mm. point. I was a member of the Philadelphia Gay Men's Chorus. That was the first year I got accepted. I was a member for literally a month. They did not know me from a can of paint. Um, I get – so the building's on fire. Okay, I'm just to paint a picture. The building's on fire. I'm hysterical. Todd is pacing back and forth. He doesn't know what to do. I'm late for rehearsal. So I, for some reason, I tell Todd I'm going to rehearsal. And for some reason, he said, okay. So I, so right. go, to, I go to rehearsal. I'm late. All the, you know, all the homos are like, ooh, you're late. Ooh. And then one of them was like, did you get, I go, like, wait, was it hard getting past that fire on Locust Street? And I'll I was, fucking say, and I was like, Well, yeah, I go, that's my building. And they go, What? Like, the gay gasp was deafening. It was like, oh! You know, everybody clutched their freaking pearls. It was like, They're like, What? What are you doing here? Are you all right? I was like, I didn't know what to do. And he was like, Go home. I go, I don't have a home anymore. And I just started crying. And uh, I talk, I'm no good in a crisis. I'm telling you. And, uh, so finally they all sent me home. (laughs) They're like, get out of here. You freak. Like, what are you doing here? (laughs) So, uh, you know, we got taken in by some people the next week I got So chorus rehearsal was two separate days. Singers came on Tuesday. Dancers came on Wednesday. I got a call from the president of the chorus saying, Hey, can you and Todd come by on Tuesday? We want to talk to you. And I'm like, all right. So we we went there. They opened the door to litter. I can't even use the, the correct word. The only word that comes to mind is a cornucopia. Like there was boxes and boxes of clothes, of food, of like toiletries, of just, they all like pulled together, not knowing me. All they knew of me is I'm a member of this organization. I just signed up and my house burnt down. That not only was it just tons and tons of like clothes and all that stuff. They also gave us about two to $3,000 in cash and gift cards and stuff like that um, That's amazing. To, to help us. So um, I always will have a, a, a special place in my heart for the Philadelphia gay men's chorus. Like I said, they are growing. They are changing. They changed up their whole infrastructure and uh, they're they're becoming more and more inclusive. Uh, they do wonderful outreach programs. So I just wanted to say that. I'm sorry yeah. if, if that's okay.
0: No, yeah. I mean, I've, it sounds like they definitely had a great positive influence on Amazing. your life. Yeah. And I, I, am, I hold optimism for uh, any of the organizations in the area and beyond to do the work that they need to do whatever
1: that
0: means. And like, I would rather see that happen than root for like an overall demise or something like that. Hey, you
2: know, we all got to do what we got to do to keep it. You know, we can't, we have to get out of this mindset that we know everything like today. Today. I know everything. You know what? No, you don't because Mm -hmm. I'm going to let you know today is not yesterday. Things Mm -hmm. change, things grow, you know, things evolve into a better fit for today's life. You might know everything, you don't. You, can, you, you couldn't possibly. I'm telling you that. So that's why I make it my mission to I am okay with constructive criticism. If someone comes up to me and says, "You know what, I don't like how you handled this, my first reaction is, I am sincerely sorry if I made you feel that way and I am and I completely accept that. What can I do? To make sure that I never make that mistake with you or somebody else again. You can never get too much input on things. You know what I mean? Especially when it comes to bettering yourself and evolving and growing as a person. So that's where I am.
1: Yeah, we're all always learning.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. A good
0: approach is apologizing without qualifiers. Just I apologize for the thing I did and improving.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Mm, mm, and just accountability. do better next time. Yeah. You know, not for nothing, speaking of accountability, and I, I'm actually surprised that I, t- I, I want to talk about this. Um, you know, the pandemic was a crazy time for everybody. Um, I got called in a few times for past behaviors that weren't acceptable. And that was extremely difficult for me. Because, like I said, I'm I'm just here to make you laugh. Like, I, please don't take anything I, I say seriously or anything like that. And it wasn't until this uh, experience that I had um, to paint a very broad picture. I was rude to certain people. And um, two of them I understood and agreed with. And I uh, – no, two of them I was completely caught off guard with. One of them I – completely understood. Uh so I really I'm not one of those you can't teach an old dog new tricks type of person. I'm an old dog that loves learning new tricks. And you know, (laughs) if the game of life is changing from what I knew it as to what it's becoming now, I'm okay with that. I just need to know before there I, I wish I knew before there was a problem opposed to after there was a problem. You know what I mean? Like, um, drag queen rude isn't really groundbreaking news to us. It's kind of like in our job description a little bit, not to be rude, but like to be like, you know, judgy and reedy and clicky and snappy and stuff like that. Um, you can't live, you can't live your life like that anymore. You Mm -hmm. have to be aware of other people's feelings. You have to be aware of other people's struggles. You have to be aware of what is acceptable, acceptably funny. And what is insulting, rude, or any of the, you know, horrible description words that you can think of. Comedy is very, very difficult because you really do almost straddle that line between things you should say and you shouldn't. Um, And it's a learning process, you know? So you have to be, I've I've made it, you know, I've, I want to be very careful about that because I want people to be entertained and not horrified. You know, so, mm. but it's very difficult because I do consider myself not an insult comic, but I'm like a, a roastier comic. Like, I, I like to have fun. I like to read. I just, nowadays, I tend to make sure that my reads or my roasts are so outlandish that you can do nothing but laugh at them. You know what I mean? but you just yeah. have you just have to be careful so yeah. that's, that's like you
0: gotta be smart about it and you gotta like read the room like there's there's a lot of work that goes into comedy that yeah. is undervalued like people don't recognize that comedy is an art form yeah and as such like it needs work on and also can be critiqued
2: same and, as drag though yes. same as drag same a lot as drag. of a lot of work goes into drag that people have no clue about. Yeah, people see a drag queen and they're like, oh, they're just prancing on stage, la, 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 la. Mm. You have to be a costume designer, you have to be a hairstylist, you have to be a makeup artist, you have to be a choreographer, you have to be a visionary. You have. There's a lot of moving parts to then just walking up on stage slapping a wig on and some lipstick and having a good old time. You know, yeah. Both forms Absolutely. are completely acceptable, but there's a lot more to it. And I think that was a rude awakening, especially this time around when I started doing drag uh, two years ago. Um, I, I, I really took the time to really understand what uh, this art form needs to be successful. Like you do have to do everything. You have to you know mix your own songs. You have to do this. You have to do that. And then, with the pandemic that happened, I had to learn how to be a videographer and, yep. a, mm-hmm. a, and, and a video editor. Are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> Are yep, you? Yep, nuts?
0: yep, 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 yep,
2: <laughs> yep. You know, do you know how many times that I pick up my remote and it's either upside down or backwards, and you want me to edit a video? That, that t- I am not technological. <laughs> like, it's just a nightmare for me. But yeah. you do what you gotta do.
0: It's hmm. true. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, to change subjects, uh, Dominique, what yeah. is something you would like to tell cishet people for the very last time and then you never have to hear about it again?
2: What do I want to tell cishet people? Um, there's Many Colors of the Homo Rainbow um, was one of my favorite uh, song lyrics in the 80s. Just because you have a, a, a vision in your mind of what you think gay people or drag is, um, you should you should always pay it the respect that it deserves. Um, and you should not try to question it, but just listen,
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, because that's the only way that you'll really start to understand things like that. Um, I want to tell cishet people that gay isn't wrong. Uh, it's just different and it's just an- another layer of humanity. Um, and we're no different than anybody uh, we're all the same people, and I also want to say that love is love, and it's very important to have that in your life. Uh, misery loves company, and those are the people that are agreeing with you. That doesn't mean that it's correct. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. I love sense. those. Oh, no, cool. yeah, for sure. Oh, good. Whew, good. <laughs> you aced <laughs> <waste> it. <laughs> yes. <laughs>
1: Surprise. It was a test and you passed. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> All right.
0: And, Dominique, what is on your gay agenda?
2: Uh, my, on my gay agenda is at least another 20 to 30 years of being with my husband. Um, on my gay agenda is to continue to make people laugh on my gay agenda it is to continuously improve myself um and just keep rolling with whatever life throws your way and never stop learning um and my gay agenda is more unity in the community um it
1: rhymes
2: I know I'm a <laughs> poet and don't know it, honey. Um no, I think I think that's the one thing that um I actually think like that is the the one answer that we're all for some reason looking for in different directions. Um we all say that we want it, but there is a fracture in our community. You know, like there is uh ageism, there is, you know, uh Uh, racism even there is you know the no fats no femmes no asians that is Mm. insane Mm -hmm. to me are you absolutely insane um we need unity in the community you know we're all in this together and the sooner we realize that i think the better off we all will be and the easier it will be for everybody to just get along better you know what i mean um I I just I just know that there's so much potential, not just for our community as gay people, but as in the world, there's so much potential and peace should be the easiest thing to come across, not just for like war, but even like the silly little fights that you have. Like, take that second. Be like, does this really matter? You know, is this really worth it? Is the argument? What am I going to accomplish? by screaming my point at this person who's not listening to me nothing you know find your inner peace and like i said we need the unity in the community so that's on my gay agenda is just be myself uh make people laugh and listen to others and always keep learning
0: i love those
2: (gasps) thank you Oh my goodness! Look at me—I'm just answering every question correctly. That's fantastic.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I want more agenda items that rhyme.
2: I, hey, look—I—you uh, I, know—it's—it's it's not a switch. These are all things that I had to think about. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> no, I—I—I—I I, I, I would love to speak in verse. I think that—I think that's something that we don't do since the Shakespeare times, and I wish we could bring that back.
0: Yeah, yeah I, I feel know. like Jay speaks in verse a lot. Which I imagine we're about to encounter, perhaps, in the game.
2: Oh my goodness, I'm so excited. <laughs>
1: it's not a rhyming game today. Oh, okay, um, good.
2: <laughs>
1: no, I threw together a little trivia game. Oh, I almost forgot to do the, the <laughs> intro. I was I about to yell things. at Hello, you so I'm much. Jay. <laughs> Hello, I'm Jay, your camp counselor. <gasps> um, And I brought a trivia game today. Um, Oh no, I forgot to name this one too. Uh, well, I'll explain it and then maybe we can come up with a, we'll up with a, a, a title excited. for it for bonus points.
2: I'm a creative right. person. I don't know if like my drag is hinting you off to that, but I'm good at this. So go ahead.
1: <laughs> All right. I, I have faith. Uh, I was very inspired by, by the, the tagline you shared that you, you were saying that you are, uh, sometimes called the geriatric gem of Philadelphia. Thank you. Um, and it got me thinking about geriatric, uh, gems of, of the queer community. So I made a um, quiz I'm about.
2: I'm gonna stink at this, but I'm excited. Go ahead. <laughs> I
1: made a quiz about uh, queer icons who are all, according to the lists I found, if I'm if if they're wrong, don't yell at me. Uh, over seventy.
2: Oh okay. Am I on this list? Because I'll sue. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I thought that would be too easy. So. <laughs> <laughs> So I will name a few little clues about uh, these icons and you will guess who it is. CJ does not know the answers to the quizzes, so if okay. you want to use them as a lifeline or a sounding board, I always volunteer title, their search. Queriatric. Queriatric.
2: That's a good one. I like that. Yeah. <laughs>
1: that's
0: my that's my uh, submission for the title.
2: I vote for that. That's too.
0: Yes, yes. All right.
1: So it is written. Perfect. That's gonna be
2: my new tagline. Your favorite Queriatric drag queen, Dominique clay Just so you yeah, know. I
1: love that. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for helping me name it. Um I'm ready to play Queriatric.
2: I am so ready for this. <laughs>
1: All right. Our first icon. Okay. Uh whether you know her for singing Wind Beneath My Wings. Oh. Or as uh the one with the biggest hair in Hocus Pocus, everyone should know the Divine Miss M.
2: Yes. Oh 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 the oh oh Bet Midler. I'm sorry. Yes. I, <laughs> <laughs> I call her Bet the Divine Miss M Midler. So it makes that's what threw me off. Bet Midler, ding! That's my answer. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> off to
1: an amazing start. Thank All right. You. Uh next. Um Uh, Most famed for his role on Star Trek, but also was part of a big Broadway show just a few years ago about internment camps in the U.S. Also known for posting just like a lot of memes. A lot of memes.
2: Huh. I want to say William Shatner.
1: I know this one if you do not.
2: Oh, okay. I want to go for my lifeline, CJ. I'm assuming I have a lifeline every round. Yes, yeah. Fantastic. CJ? I mostly
0: know this because of the Broadway thing. I believe it's George Takei. (gasps) It is George Takei. Hello.
2: Yes. Fantastic. (laughs) Oh, my God. If you threw in a Family Guy thing, I would have been there. That's how Ah. uncultured of a drag queen I am. I didn't know Broadway. Go on.
1: (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Yes. All right. Next, we have uh, Judy's Daughter, Cabaret Star. Just make sure to spell it with a Z. Liza with a Z. Liza with a Z, Liza Minnelli. Yes. Liza
2: Minnelli, lies. Yes.
1: Wonderful. All right, we are flying through this quiz. I'm nailing
2: Wonderful. it. Wonderful.
1: All right, this I... one might be a little trickier. Oh, uh good. Because uh, we've been doing a lot of a lot of performers so far, okay. but now I bring you a novelist, a short story writer, a poet, and social activist who won the National Book Award for writing *The Color Purple*.
2: <gasps> oh. I. Have I don't even want to attempt an answer because I think that's how bad how how off I'm going to be. CJ, Um, you you seem like a person that reads. Okay.
0: (laughs) This is the author of the original "The Color Purple" book, right? Yes, Alice Walker.
2: Alice Walker. Correct. Oh, good for you. Paula Dean White is going to smack me in the head if we're not knowing that. (laughs) I'm sorry, Paula. Paula did this wonderful little viral thing where she read "The Color Purple" on the internet, and I I thought it was just. P.S. The color purple is the only movie my husband will ever cry at. That's the only movie I've ever seen him cry at. When they are,
0: I don't blame him.
2: Oh my god, he loses it, and and I'm and I'm sitting, and it's like the one movie. It's so funny, and I make myself not cry so he looks like the big old wimp. You know, I'm like, look at you crying (laughs) in a movie. I cry at long distance commercials on the TV, so I cry at everything. It's so sad. Go on. (laughs)
1: i've never i've never seen the movie i have seen the musical and i'm very mad because all these years i didn't know that the color purple was gay Gay. i didn't know that it was gay because everyone was just like oh it's a black musical and i'm like don't you know that people can be two things
2: yeah yeah (laughs) yeah there's a lot of gay black musicians i'd imagine yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah.
1: So I'm 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 bittered to the Broadway community for not telling me that for so many see, years.
2: <laughs> see the movie. See the movie. It's good. It's,
1: it's on my list. I swear okay. it is. All right. <laughs> it All right. is high on priority on the the to watch list. All right. All right. Uh, we're going back to a performer here. Good. Um, a Shakespearean Tony oh. Award winning Olivier Award winning actor uh, who a lot of people just know as a, a wizard uh, Gandalf or Magneto from the X Men
2: oh oh, okay. <laughs> oh what is that sir uh ian McKellen?
1: ian McKellen, yes hey also to everyone out there i'm doing a favor to all the listeners if you have not googled uh young ian McKellen hamlet please please Ooh. look at him as like just young theater twink i i look at him yeah. and i'm like do i want to smooch him do i want to be him the answer is yes
2: oh okay Good for oh you. no
1: yeah you're right i just googled it okay <laughs> <laughs> you're
0: absolutely correct I- oh my I god so did
2: I. I yeah sign me up yeah. for that <laughs>
1: yes 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 that's I want to my be good that deed man. of the day awesome. thank you i
2: appreciate that
1: <laughs> thank you for the blessings all right and uh speaking of good deeds we have our final icon here in in the queriatric quiz um and i say good deed because uh this icon has, a, um, has founded an AIDS foundation named after them, known for flamboyant dress and tiny sunglasses and oh. amazing songs such as I'm Still Standing or Don't Go Breaking My Heart.
2: Sir Elton John.
1: Correct. Woo, yeah, yes.
2: Yeah. Me and all these old people know each other. We got each other's number. We're in a private chat on Facebook. So I, <laughs> I, knew, I knew most of them. I'm very proud. Take, I'm surprised I didn't get. Hello. I love Takei so cute
1: i love the idea of elton john and liza minnelli in a group the same group. oh my gosh
2: could you imagine that
1: facebook chat
2: yes (laughs) like they went to (laughs)
1: facebook.com incredible like elton john definitely uses a lot of emojis right yeah oh yeah
2: definitely definitely
0: absolutely uh well thank you so much for being on the show dominique uh do you have anything you'd like to plug
2: Yes, I do. Um, I am starting a new show with my brilliant and gorgeous gal pal, Morgan, 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 at the Level Up Bar here in Philadelphia on Walnut Street. It's going to be every first and third Monday of the month. We're very, very excited for this new venture. Um, I do Queen of the Night at Bob and Barbara's Houses, Philadelphia's, oldest running drag show hosted by Miss Lisa Lisa, who is an outstanding performer and member of this community. Um, But I do a show there um, the third Sunday of every month called Queen of the Night. And it is an amateur competition show. And we are on uh, this Sunday is night two of our preliminaries. We have a pageant coming up in July, uh, July 18th, I believe, um, to see who the next Miss Queen of the Night is going to be. Um, I do, I do, uh, use my insult comic type abilities for this show. Um, it is a very explicit show, but it's always (laughs) a lot of fun. We have three great judges. Mia, the body bombshell is one of our judges. The very handsome Michael Rios is one of our judges. And again, our, Judge is Miss Morgan 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 that is DJed by the handsome and multi-talented Jonathan Hernandez. So that's Queen of the Night, um, third Sunday of the month. It uh, Level Up is the first and third Monday of every month. And I am also an active player in Bird Events. They do a fabulous brunch uh, all over Philadelphia. They have many locations. But Mm -hmm. I am stationed at Taboo. Come and play with us. They have fabulous tater tots over at Taboo. It's wonderful. And the Bird Event girls are absolutely phenomenal performers. All of them are fantastic. And I'm so honored to be one of the senior members of that group. I've been with that group for three years now. I'm one of the last few remaining original Bird Event girls that still uh, perform while you eat waffles. So it's fantastic. <laughs> uh, definitely come out and see me. Yeah. Wonderful. Yes. Um,
1: if anyone wants to tweet at me with their best imitation of how they think Elton John texts in the group chat, <laughs> I'm on Twitter at underscore glittergoblin underscore.
2: Yes. Oh, can I drop my where they can find me on social medias? Oh, yes, absolutely. Oh, my goodness. Well, the best one you can go to is my Instagram. Uh, it's me, Dominique Lee, I T S M E. D-O-M-I-N-I-Q-U-E-L-E-E. And that's on Instagram. I post a lot of my very funny acts on there. A lot of my looks. I did a bald-headed look recently that I'm very proud of. It's just going to be a future glimpse into my life when I finally lose all my natural hair. Um, And you could also follow me on YouTube. There is an amazing amount of Philadelphia drag on my YouTube. I tape a lot of performers I asked I, that's how old I am. I say tape. Did you notice that? <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I, video-
0: <laughs> I didn't want to call you on it. But- <laughs>
2: You're so cute. I love it. That's adorable. Um, I video a lot of the performers in the Philadelphia drag scene today. Great performers. Icon Ebony Fierce is on there. Bev is mm. on there. Morgan, Morgan, Morgan. Uh, My addiction. Fabulous, fabulous, fabulous. You can find me on YouTube at Dominique Lee. D-O-M-I-N-I-Q-U-E-L-E-E. I wasn't very creative with my names for my social media. But please reach out. I would love to your consistent brand. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, and my brand is Simple, period. <laughs> <laughs> simple. She's a simple gal, but she's funny. <laughs> she's funny, funny, funny. So please come on out, see a show, or follow me on social media. Shoot me a message. I'd love to talk to you. No question is off the table for me. And I'm here to help and learn myself. So please reach out.
0: Amazing. And you can find My Gay Agenda on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, you know, wherever else. Um, While you're there, why not drop us a rating? We sure do love to hear your kind words. Uh, You can follow us on Facebook.com slash My Gay Agenda Podcast, on Twitter or Instagram, uh, both at Gay Agenda Cast. And if you'd like to follow us on a slightly more financial level, you can join us on Patreon.com slash My Gay Agenda, much like Rachel... Looking fabulous Higgins, Quentin J. Alexander, Jim Nolan, and Tiny Sneal.
2: Yeah, I rate this a 10, just so you know. 10s oh, across you. the board. 10, 10, 10. <laughs> that was a 10 for all of us, just so you know. We each got a 10. Oh, yeah,
1: absolutely.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh,
0: all learned, all learned.
2: Absolutely. Yes. Well, thank you so much for having me. I had an absolutely fabulous time. I hope I didn't scar anybody with my lifelong story that took a lifetime to tell um so i just absolutely appreciate this time uh and thank you so much for this platform to be able to discuss queer stuff i absolutely love it it's a great gay agenda and i am absolutely thrilled to be a part of it
1: amazing jay wanna close us off yeah uh, thank you all for joining us and until next time put this in your gay agenda change the world love yourself Make someone laugh today, even if it's yourself. I don't know. Knock, knock jokes. And that's our
0: gay agenda. That's our gay agenda. That's our gay agenda. We just want to exist.